Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this uh, session of our course. I would like to welcome our very old and very dear friend, Daryl Shun, and his charming wife, Martha. They live in the United States, and they came in to uh, join us for the, as much as their time permitted. And uh, Daryl will chair this meeting. And uh, they will participate in the rest of the proceedings. So let's give a warm welcome to them. Marta is our webmaster. <laughs> Did I understand it? I don't know. Yeah. Web we have a website, uh, and Martha is the webmaster. I, <laughs> I forgot to mention that, but I'm greatly obliged to her because she did a first-class job. And very often I had to ask her to remove a piece and replace it with the one with corrections, correcting typos and other things, and never a word of complaint. She just did it so cheerfully. And again, I want to thank you. It's my pleasure. Just introduce this. The, uh, this morning's uh, topic is going to be, uh, lecture number seven is entitled Liquidity Preference, Sinking the Sinking Funds. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. Okay, thank you. <coughs> sinking the Sinking Funds, I like that. I hope you like it too. Uh, let me explain, because it's not obvious what we mean by this. <clears throat> In the 19th century, when uh, so much of the world economy was financed in terms of <coughs> gold bonds, and by a gold bond, they meant a bond which had a clause that principal and interest is payable in gold coin of the present uh, weight and fineness. So that keeping in mind that the government may just change the weight and fineness of the current gold coin, the uh, bondholders bond were offered this extra protection. Should the government change which was pretty well incredible at the time. There was no precedent for that. But should the government change the, uh, the weight and fineness of the gold coin? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I take it back. There were lots of precedents in the Middle Ages, of course. <laughs> Kings uh, very often recalled their gold coins, melted them down, and diluted it with copper or what have you, and reminted them and uh, pretended that this was the same value because the king's uh, 
the kings. Uh, had, had to have income. No, yeah, that was the reason. But the idea was that if the king's uh, face is put on the coin, then it cannot help but have the same value. I mean, the, what could be more obvious than that? The king, after all, had the power to change. So uh, there were lots of precedents, but uh, between the Middle Ages and the end and the beginning of the 20th century, this practice was pretty well uh, phased out. By and large, governments did not resort to this very crude and uh, very obvious type of diluting money. So there it was. These gold bonds were issued and they were bought eagerly by genuine savers. No bond speculation in those days. The uh, gold standard fixed not only the foreign exchange rates, but it also fixed uh, the uh, rate of interest on fixing in quotation mark because there was always allowed a small uh, band, a spread between the buy and sell price. But it was so narrow that speculators did not find it profitable to trade it. Not just narrow, but it was, if there was any change that was dragged out and it was slow in time. So there's no question about bond speculation, just like there was no question about foreign exchange speculation for those countries uh, which adhered to the gold standard. So that was one very important protection of the bondholders. And as I say, they were savers, and among them there were <coughs> widows and orphans. The father died for some reason and left the widow and left the orphans behind. Very often the orphans were just too young and they needed protection. And this protection was given by the... Uh, well, actually this is something written in the Bible. Uh, the uh, quotation protecting widows and orphans and if you are in any way uh, endanger their position this is a sin which these are the words quoted from the Bible they cry to heaven for punishment so there are some sins which are singled out as especially grave and they are so grave that they cry out to heaven for punishment and among these is uh, the uh, the uh, uh, tormenting tor that's the word thank you I was looking for the tormenting widows 
and orphans. And governments did take that admonition seriously. They avoided any kind of government measure which in any case would uh, hurt the interest of widows and orphans. Now, <coughs> there was another measure of protection, protecting the interest of the bondholders, and this was the institution of the sinking fund. Now, let me just explain what uh, this phrase covers, because I think it's very important. Um, The bond <coughs> issue, and remember there are several, you cannot think of a global bond market, we have to think of separate markets for each issue. Even by the same issuer, they issue some bonds this year, they issue some bonds next year, and so on. These are separate markets with separate quotations and independent price changes, if any. But if in any issue, for some reason, too many bonds are offered for sale, the price will immediately react and drop. So uh, the secondary market for these bonds is a very sensitive market, and the bond holders are exposed to this danger that for some uh, reason, which has nothing to do with the bond itself, is just a temporary condition that too many bonds of that particular issue are thrown on the market simultaneously, they have to be protected against that risk as well. And the way they did it is that they set up a so-called sinking fund. And the sinking fund was a fund uh, and let's talk about now a company, a corporation, which issued um, so many bonds in one year. And this particular bond appointed a sinking fund manager. And the sinking fund manager was watching the bond price. And if for any reason the bond price showed a decline, a drop, then the sinking fund manager stepped in and bought the bond to bring the price back to par. So the bond was always quoted at par on the, in the secondary market. Now where did the sinking fund manager uh, get the money to uh, do this type of operation? Well, two sources. One, the company, the corporation, was supposed to uh, pay into that sinking fund every year a certain uh, portion of the profits, corporate profits, to enable the manager of the sinking fund to do this evening out operation, to make sure that the bond price does not suffer a serious decline because it's immediately and the very knowledge that this is going to happen helped itself because of course if there were any speculators who wanted to take advantage a crowded in 
and try to push down the bond price. They knew that there is a sinking fund and there's a manager who is watching the market and he would immediately clamp down. Uh, so this was a deterrent at the same time, and in fact it was very, very efficient. And the bond price is uh, was was uh, sta as stable as possible or as desirable. Now that was one source of income, which the sinking uh, uh, <coughs> fund had at, at its disposal. The corporation was supposed to <coughs> channel so much of its annual or quarterly profits into the fund to enable to continue. But there was another one, because the opposite could also happen, right? It, is, it was possible and happened quite often that the price of the bond dropped for some reason, outside reason. But sometimes market markets being as they are, the secondary market value, the value of the bond in the secondary market could just rise above par. You see? It could happen. Now, let's leave the question aside how often it happened and why it happened. That's not the point, but sometimes it did happen. And what would the sinking fund manager do in such a case? Sell. Would sell the bond. So he would have this money flowing into the sinking fund itself. So this, uh, these two sources made sure that it was a very credible arrangement. Nobody had any doubts, and so on. And this was first Leanne on the resources of the company. It was more important than the equity uh, liability which the company had towards shareholders. The bondholders have come first. There's just no question about that. And that is why the sinking fund was conceived and established and it was run very successfully throughout the 19th century and early 20th century. And then something happened. Oh, yeah, that, uh, I have to answer that question too. What about the government bonds? Did the government bonds have a sinking fund? Yes. Anybody knows the answer? Yes. Did they? The British in the 18th century. Did the, did, is this a fact you know? Well, I take your word. I wasn't aware of this. But certainly in the United States, the U.S. government did not set up uh, Yeah, it's a little different. I'm pretty sure that they didn't in the U.S. The unique thing about the British, right, is that they're this small island that somehow became a global hegemon in the 18th century. And one of the main reasons they were able to is because they had um, very sound institutions that were able to have a, a tax base. They were able to raise money easily. And one of the ways they could raise money is by borrowing money. And the, and the way they can stabilize their borrowing is by having a sinking fund to ins ensure that creditors um, would be, uh, um, what's the word? Um, they would think that their investments are sound, basically. All right, Alex, your remark is very greatly appreciated. I learned something I was not aware of that I, I, I'm willing to c confess. I was guided by the American 
practice, which was that the American government had credit which was beyond doubt, beyond question. There was just no need for sinking fund, period. That was the attitude, and the world did accept it. So the American Treasury bond market operated very smoothly, without a hitch, without a hiccup, and the uh, world accepted this, and the, the American uh, T-bonds were the best monetary best gold bond. They were gold bonds. You see, the gold clause was on them, like a, but no sinking fund, and it did operate very uh, efficiently. And then a movement started. Well, if the Americans can do it, then we can do it too. So why have this sinking? Why bother? Why have um, money put aside? Why should you cut short your profits and put so much in the sinking fund when you could uh, either pay it out in dividends or make new investments or do something? So there was a tendency of a c c company, especially a corporation which had very good uh, credit standing, um, to uh, forget about sinking. Well, it's not necessary. It's just uh, a frill, which is not needed. So it, the uh, emphasis on the sinking fund started sinking, and, and ultimately <laughs> the sinking fund was quietly dropped. So uh, especially after World War I, when the bond market reorganized, the sinking fund died a quiet death. And bonds have been issued without the sinking fund protection. Now here is another consequence, and this consequence is in terms... Oh, Alex, I'm going to ask you that before we break, you might share the benefit of your... Um, studies with us and just tell us uh, what, what you know about the sinking fund and, the, uh, and how it... Uh, um, I don't know anything about... Uh, uh, not uh, now. Oh, later. Okay. I, I'm going to... But before the break, I would like to give you an opportunity. Say as much or as little as you wish what you know about this because I think this is important, and I personally haven't done enough research of my own on that, and probably I'm running out of time. I won't be able to, but I do consider this is a very, very important issue. And I'm also going to ask Sandy to make some comments. So uh, when I finish, if it may finish a little earlier, then we have this preliminary discussion, and after the break, uh, everybody else can can contribute to this. So the importance of the sinking fund, or the disappearance of the sinking fund, is in terms of the yield curve. <coughs> because just put this in a time frame, say a 30-year bond, corporate bond, uh, which it has been issued, 
it was well received and there is a secondary market. The secondary market is absolutely important because the bond is not just a promise to pay the principal back at maturity and in the meantime give you a stream of income. It's far more than that. It's also a promise that any time you run into hard times and you are forced to sell the bond, there will be a ready market, take it. And without a great loss, you will be able to cash in on your bond. Any time during that 30 years, not just at maturity, but any time. This is an implicit promise. And it's made good precisely by these provisions, including the sinking fund. Because if there was no such provision, it's, it's conceivable that the yield curve, we have talked about the yield curve at some length. Remember, there was the normal yield curve, and there was the flat yield curve in between, and then there was the inverted yield curve. Now, this dotted line is uh, what you might consider the console rate. The console is a perpetual bond. For example, the British government issued consoles. So the rate on that is the highest. Okay, so that's the inverted yield curve. The first one is the normal yield curve. And then in between there's the flat yield curve, which is an idealization. The flat yield curve is a, a practically vertical at zero, and then just following the... Uh, the uh, Console curve. You have another color? Oh, as, clo as closely as possible or practicable. That's the flat yield curve. And we explained that the problem with the flat yield curve is that it is less stable than the normal yield curve because the flat yield curve is, is liable to slip over into the inverted yield curve which is uh, always an indication of a financial panic, the red curve. The, 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 it uh, incorporates a contradiction, remember we discussed that. The contradiction is that if you borrow money longer term, there's more risk involved because you are exposing your funds for a longer period of time to all kinds of vicissitudes which could happen in the world or with the company. And therefore, they, you have to, you demand a risk premium. The bondholders insist on a, uh, on a yield premium. Now, what we see here is that thanks to the institution of the sinking fund, 
the normal cur yield curve is approaching or approximating the flat yield curve. So in other words, there is no uh, increase in the, in the rate of interest as time passes. But you know, uh, increasing rate of interest means uh, decreasing uh, value of the bond. So that hurts the bondholders. And therefore, the normal yield curve it cannot be considered as a natural uh, phenomenon. The natural phenomenon is really a flat yield curve, so that you, any point of time, the market value of your bond is the same. No uh, deviation in either direction. And that would not happen without the sinking fund. So the sinking fund is, is very important. And uh, also, let me just uh, mention this as a sideline, but it's also important that the uh, normal yield curve, so-called normal, because in, a, in this sense it's, it's really abnormal, it invites, it invites arbitrage. In fact, it invites speculators to uh, borrow short and land long. Because if there is a difference between interest rate on shorter term funds and longer term funds, then uh, obviously the shorter term funds are cheaper. So the uh, would-be bond speculator, I say would-be because the sinking fund cuts the ground from underneath, uh, that would-be bond speculator would sell, would, uh, would sell the long maturity and by the short maturity, which means borrowing short and lending long. And pocket, just pocket the difference. No sweat, no risk, nothing. The bond speculator reaps a risk-free profit without performing a useful service. You see? So that is all under the heading a uh, normal yield curve. It's not so normal after all. So uh, I don't think I can praise too highly the institution of the sinking fund. It's a marvelous institution, not only for the protection of widows and orphans, but for the protection of all savers. And if it's respected and followed, the example is followed, and I agree that even governments should have that, then, uh, then we have an ideal situation. Not just that the yield curve is flat, but it is stable, because in our present circumstances, uh, under the uh, irredeemable uh, monetary regime, the, the, it occurs quite often that the yield curve is flat. However, this is not a healthy sign. It's not a healthy sign because, as I just pointed out, it's unstable and could slip over into the inverted yield curve, which means financial panic and uh, uh, sign for a coming recession, which could be very deep or 
prolonged, and so on. However, Uh, about the sinking funds. Now, <clears throat> the term liquidity preference is borrowed from the vocabulary of John Maynard Keynes, and as you know, he is not one of our heroes, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but this is a very uh, fortunate phrase, liquidity preference. Just like there is time preference, there is also liquidity preference. This is the innate, uh, uh, innate uh, 